0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Week 14 Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's new solo edition on the way for Wednesdays as we've gone over, had some cuts of PFF. Unfortunately, my guy Kevin Cole doing bigger and better things. Again, unexpectedpoints.substack.com to get all new stuff from kevin cole so your boy ian here gonna go through each and every game try to focus on just one key thing from these matchups so if you guys know my work at pff.com i got a quarterback sheesh report running back wide receiver wide receiver shadow mismatch manifesto and injury articles i put out each and every week so i tried to just focus on the best piece most actionable piece of information from every single team and that's what I'm here to tell you guys about. So without further ado, let's get after it. Starting off with Thursday night football, we got the Raiders at the Rams Raiders sitting at six point favorites game total at just 44 and a half points. I do think we're going to get a fun shadow matchup here between Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey. So the Rams have been selective about using Ramsey in shadow coverage specifically over the past two years. They didn't even use him at all this year until we faced DeAndre Hopkins a few weeks ago. Did it again last week against DK Metcalf. I would guess Devontae Adams warrants similar treatment. Does this mean you should downgrade Devontae Freaking Adams? Of course not. They've actually faced off twice in the past. Week 12 of last season, Devontae had eight catches for 104 yards, and the divisional round of 2020, nine catches for 66 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. So look, Ramsey hasn't been the same monster this year. Him, him, and AJ Terrell have allowed a league high seven receiving touchdowns in their direct coverage. Fire up Adams as his usual upside wide receiver oneself. And I don't want to say quiet because I we know how good Devontae Adams is. And especially recently, he's ripping off, you know, 130 plus yard gain, two touchdown game after another. But guys, on the season, now on pace for 112 catches, 1,666 yards and 17 touchdowns great year to be a Devontae Adams fantasy manager on the other side of the ball look Baker Mayfield gonna have be active I guess but not expecting to start Wolford's banged up the backfield Cam Akers still dead last in the NFL in yards per carry Kyron Williams at risk of having fewer than five touches if the man doesn't get proper game script with all that said I want to give a quick little shout-out to Tutu Atwell, the uh, second-year, former second-round pick. I mean, guys, 75-yard house call last week, but unfortunately, Walford missed him way short. But just on the season. Incredibly small sample size here. Let me start with that, but it is a sample size that at least qualifies with 157 wide receivers that have run at least 50 routes this season. Among that group, Tutu Atwell ninth in PFF receiving grades second in yards per route run, second in yards per reception, even 23rd in targets per route run. So hey, Tutu Atwell, should you start him in fantasy? Hell no. But you know, maybe he'll. Give us something down the road. At a minimum, not looking like quite as wasted of a pick. Probably already talked too long about the Rams. Would note that Aaron Donald is also out for them, so should be the usual Josh Jacobs explosion game. Moving on to Sunday, we got the Jaguars in Nashville taking on the Titans. Titans favored by four points, game total at 41. So the one thing with Trevor Lawrence, we talked a lot about him this year and the ups and downs he's had, but really this group of pass catchers hasn't done him too many favors throughout the season. Nobody has had more passes dropped than Trevor Lawrence this season with 26. And only the Titans have a worse overall team drop rate. So this is not Lawrence throwing the ball, you know, 100 times more than any other quarterback and just kind of having the volume add up really has been efficiency level things so what was really intriguing to me is the usage between christian kirk and zay jones almost identical this year guys in terms of expected ppr points so not what they did just what their volume said they should have done i mean christian kirk is a wide receiver 19 on the season with 14.3 expected ppr points per game Zay jones is wide receiver 20 right behind him at 14.1 now at least not in the year 2022 we're not playing in fantasy leagues for opportunity we need those real points kirk is wide receiver 15 an actual ppr points Zay jones wide receiver 40 so not telling you guys to line them up next to each other we saw Zay jones drop more than a few passes this just, just last week but the best version of this jaguars offense does use kirk and jones to a fairly even level and we could see them have more good than bad against the titans defense bottom 12 group and epa allowed for pass play and passer rating allowed on the Titans side of things. Guys, I think we're going to get some Derrick Henry blow-ups here down the stretch. This week, he's got the Jaguars 24th in PPR points per game allowed to opposing running backs. He gets the Chargers who ranked 30th in week 15. He gets the Texans who rank 31st in week 16. And like, they can't even hold the dude under 200 rushing yards whenever they face him at this point. So, Derrick Henry season down the stretch. I did want to give a quick shout-out, though, to another guy where, yeah, we're dealing with a small sample size here. But Chig Conquo, whose name I will really try to work on here down the stretch because he is playing that well really starting to boom here guys in some of these efficiency measures so this year we have 37 tight ends that have at least 25 targets and chig ranks fifth in pff receiving grade First in yards per route run, first in yards per reception, even third in targets per route run. So he has 30 plus receiving yards in five straight games, even though in only three of those games does he actually, I'm sorry, in three of those games, he only has one reception. So he's 6'2, 243 pounds, and runs a 4.52, 40 yard dash. Basically a Titans, you know, answer a year later to what they used to have in John U. Smith. So in terms of the tight end landscape, you know, he is coming off season high five targets and he had a, you know, plus 50% snap rate there. But similar to austin hooper and honestly every other tight end we've seen in tennessee not enough consistent volume to be overly thrilled about chiggy even in a you know just tight end and passing game tight end landscape where you would think that anybody that is this uh efficient could be you know firmly on the radar and he is to an extent but just my tight end 18 on the week don't get carried away Albeit hell of a rookie season from the fourth round pick Eagles are taking on the Giants in New York. Philly's seven-point road favorites game total at 44 and a half points. I think we're comfortable. And, you know, good start there on a confidence statement, Ian. I am comfortable comfortable and confident that this is going to be a Miles Sanders game. So credit to Nick Seriani and the Philadelphia Eagles, guys. We saw them have only 28 throws against the Packers. Yeah, they freaking eviscerated that front seven. Why wouldn't you? Last week, 39 throws against the Titans team that obviously is a m- lot stronger in the front seven, but 39 throws even in a game where they were up three plus scores just after halftime. Good to see them actually adjusting your offense to what the defense isn't quite as good at. What a novel concept. So this week, the Giants league worst yards before contact per carry i do think we see sanders get back on track in his efficient ways making the most out of those 15 to 20 rush attempts so he's my rb 17 on the week ahead of guys with similar usage in worse offenses like damian pierce jamal williams and zonovan knight guys miles sanders how about it two claps Nine touchdowns, 998 total yards in 12 games after telling us not to draft him. Miles Sanders, ultimate zero RB truther, did a great job driving down his own value this offseason. On the other side of things, we have the New York Giants. And just want to give a shout out to Darius Slayton, who's played some really good ball this year and probably not gotten enough recognition for doing so. At least 55 receiving yards in seven of his last eight games, top 36 PPR wide receiver in six of those contests. So on the year, PFF receiving grade 26 among 57 wide receivers with at least 50 targets, but 12th in yards per outrun, thirds in yards per reception, and, you know, I'm not here to shit on Daniel Jones at all, but the passing volume, the passing production in the offense, understandably, hasn't been super high. So Jones has only cleared 230 passing yards in a game once this season, only has 11 total touchdowns through the air in 12 weeks of action. So yeah. The O-line, the injury riddled wide receiver room, like them getting rid of Tony, Kenny Galladay doing nothing, all huge reasons. Again, not any slights here at Daniel Jones, more so just saying, hey, Darius Slayton making the most out of a passing game that pretty much no other wide receiver there has been able to do this season. We got the Jets taking on the Bills in Buffalo just a month after Zach freaking Wilson somehow beat this Buffalo Bills team. I know, I know. Defense, run game, all that had more to do with it. But still, Zach Wilson beat the Buffalo Bills in 2022. That happened. Bills this week, though. Nine and a half point home favorites game, total at 44. So, want to talk a little about Zonovan Knight. Had a fantastic last two weeks. 221 yards on his 37 touches. And looks good doing it. Second in PFF's elusive rating metric. That said, guys, Bills defense. I know they, when they played Zach Wilson, Michael Carter had a decent enough game. Even James Robinson was running okay enough. But still... 80, 96 and just 60 rushing yards allowed over the past three weeks after having some midseason woes on that side of things on defense. So with Zonovan, I think we're falling into a little bit of a trap here where we got a sexy headline. It's week 14. We're very excited to find anyone on the waiver wire at this point that can help us down the fantasy stretch. And I do think Zonovan can do that. I have him as a top 20, t- 22 back this week. That said, guys. Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, Jamal Williams. Those are guys from the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Lions. Like, legit, some of the best scoring offenses in the league right now. I expect them to have similar roles to Zonovan Knight. So, yeah, I'm going to start them ahead of him when the Jets are about to go face the freaking Bills. I think Mike White has had a lot of ups in his early career so far. Really, five extended appearances, thrown from over 300 yards in three of those. Did you guys see what happened last year when he faced the Bills? Four interceptions. Didn't go well. It's the Bills. They make life really hard on a lot of quarterbacks, even a potential future Hall of Fame legend GOAT like Mike White. So with Zonovan, again, this was head coach Robert Salas quote that got blown out of proportion on social media. He said that even with Michael Carter back, Bam is not going anywhere. Yeah, he's probably going to keep getting run. He beat James Robinson out for the early down job. Ty Johnson is just Ty Johnson. I'm sure Bam is going to continue to get touches, but it's going to be, Likely a three running back committee like it was for stretches even when Brees Hall was out there. So similar to our sentiment, you know, with guys like Latavius Murray, Mike Boone and Denver, it's just like, okay, we saw them hesitant to even give Brees Hall this featured three down workload. I don't think that Zonovan is going to get that preferential treatment, especially now with Michael Carter back to 100%. So who's the top ranked running back from the Jets? Absolutely Zonovan Knight. Just realize in a three back committee and an offense that at least this week, I'm not expecting all that much from, don't get too carried away about Zonovan tonight. Solid, low-end RB2, not a must-start by any stretch of the imagination. On the other side of things, should be another fun matchup between Stefan Diggs and Sauce Gardner. Just realize, though, guys, this is not an every snap type of situation. Fun to talk about it like that, but Sauce Gardner doesn't shadow. He spent 78% of his snaps this season as a defense's left cornerback And Honestly, I think because of that fact, like the rest of this group should be getting a little bit more credit. Look, Sauce taking away half the field, that's fantastic. It's not an indictment on him. He doesn't get to decide who he lines up against every single play. It's just saying, like, Shout out Gang Green, New York Jets, guys. Fourth in EPA allowed per pass play. First in explosive (laughs) pass play rate allowed. I'm knocking stuff over here. I'm getting so excited. Second and pass rating allowed and third in yards per attempt allowed. So Great stuff there. Are we fading these bills, guys? No, of course not. We have Josh freaking Allen under center, and Stefan Diggs is continuing to be awfully royal this season. 129 receptions on pace for, I should say, 129 receptions, 1,702 receiving yards, and 14 scores. So Diggs, fire him up as his usual. Upside wide receiver oneself. Gabriel Davis, the boomer bust wide receiver, too. You need to leave in those lineups because he will boom to a weak winning extent on occasion. And even Isaiah McKenzie, guys, 70% route rate last Last week, a viable flex in an offense that we know is always capable of putting up big-time points. If you guys want more information on James Cook in that backfield, you can check out the waiver pot I had with Nathan Yonke over on Tuesday. Long story short, though, kind of similar to the Jets. Like, even though James Cook does seem to be ascending, still fully expecting three running backs to stay involved. So, reason for optimism, don't get too carried away, though. Next up, we got AFC North Showdown. The Ravens at the Steelers. Pittsburgh sitting us two and a half point favorites. Game total at 37. So on the Ravens side of things, expecting Lamar Jackson to miss at least a week with this knee injury. Setting up Tyler Huntley. And guys, he is my QB 15 on the week ahead of guys like Daniel Jones. Right next to him, I'm just, you know, giving some credit to the Eagles and how tough of a matchup they can be. And I would honestly start Tyler Huntley ahead of guys like Tom Brady against the 49ers and Mike White against the Bills because, one, the Steelers' defense has been had on several occasions throughout this year, getting a little healthier, but hardly the juggernaut that we you know been seeing a lot from the organization throughout their entire team history, honestly, but more so the fact that I think Tyler Huntley can be a solid middle-class man's version of Lamar. Is that fair? No Lamar slander here, but Tyler Huntley, you know, he's his backup for a reason. He plays football in a similar manner, specifically running the hell out of the ball. In his six extended appearances, he has had 7, 6, 13, 6, 12, and 10 carries. He's gone for at least 40 yards rushing in all those games and included 205 passing yards per game. So before he got injured, Lamar Jackson this year was only averaging 203 passing yards per game. Obviously, Huntley, not better than Lamar Jackson. You can pull up many efficiency stats throwing the ball to prove that point. And guess what? Maybe we're going to see Huntley drop off from the 205-yard mark like Lamar has dropped off from last season and this season because we don't have as strong a pass game weapons in Baltimore this season compared to last year, particularly where Rashad Bateman injured. That said, guys, Huntley really does profile someone who can be much better in fantasy than in real life. I think he's a quality upside QB2 for however long Lamar is sidelined on the home side of things, yeah, I just got some stats here to help make a Deontay Johnson fantasy managers feel even worse than they probably already do after this hellish start to the season. And by starting the season, I mean, we've literally seen 13 weeks of this at this point. So not ideal, but yes, NFL high 105 targets without a touchdown this season, the NFL's only receiver with more than 30 PPR points below expectation on the year. And that's the, Craziest part here because the gap, guys, again, expected PPR points. That's just volume, what we would have thought that a a player would get in that situation. Deontay Johnson is 62 PPR points below expectation on the season. The next most unlucky, bad, victim, whatever stat you want to use, Zay Jones at minus 23. The gap between Deontay Johnson and Zay Jones, you have to go to the wide receiver 140 freaking eight from Zay Jones down to find that same gap out there like it. Johnson, he's not just been the most unlucky again or the biggest victim, whatever the hell term you want to use there. It's been that times a freaking hundred basically based on this gap he's had between Zay Jones and Deontay again. Zay Jones, second Minus 29.3 fantasy points below expectation this year. More than double that. And then you get to Deontay Johnson. So overall on the year, Deontay, zero top 24 finishes. In 2021, he had 12. In 2020, he had seven. Even as a rookie in 2019, he had four. Not looking great for the Steelers passing game. Also have George Pickens out there who did seem like he was starting to give us a little more upside. But guys, end of the day, still has Freaking seven games with a finish outside the week's top 50 wide receivers on the season. So Deontay versus Pickens, I do tend to lean slightly ahead of um, Deontay still. I know we've gotten slightly few bigger boons from Pickens, but we've also had lower lows. So at the end of the day, Steelers and Ravens game total is at 37 points. Tie for the second lowest on the week. If you don't have any Ravens or Steelers in your starting fantasy lineups, you're probably doing something right. All right. Vikings at the Lions on the opposite side of things here. This is actually tied for the highest game total of the week at 52 and a half. The Lions are two and a half point home favorites here, despite the discrepancy in wins and losses. So on the Minnesota side of things, Dalvin Cook this year hasn't been the usual world beater that we kind of draft him to be in that we've seen in past years. It's not his fault you know, goodwill hunting style. We can do this for however long we want. But guys, he's the RB13 in expected PPR points per game. He's the RB12 in real PPR points per game. If you want to blame anyone, blame Kevin O'Connell or Kirk Cousins for not throwing him the ball nearly as much as they used to. I mean, Dalvin Cook, from 2017 to 2022, here is receiving yards per game, 22 and a half, 27.7. 37, 26, 17, and most recently a career low, 13.1. On a career low, 3.5 targets per game. So that is one of those things where when we talk about coaches and you know changing teams and what that could mean for their personnel usage, Kevin O'Connell coming from the Sean McVay system where they don't throw running backs either, we have seen that impact Alvin Cook. So you're still starting him everywhere. And this is a matchup against the Lions run D that I do think he could smash. But when we don't have that pass game floor, it becomes a situation where he's – Honestly, got a workload very similar to Nick Chubb this year where, yeah, if you're going to be one of the best players in the league like Nick Chubb always is, you're going to be just fine. But you need to be that good. Otherwise, it could be a situation like Debo Samuel, where unfortunately, they're much more middle of the pack player, despite obviously having all out of this world talent. Yeah. Also, TJ Hawkinson, revenge game. Great day to be great. Go get that revenge. TJ on the other side of the ball. DeAndre Swift. Absolutely back. He led the backfield in snap rate last week for the first time since week eight. I mean, guys, it's, it's been rough again. Week eight was when he came back from injury. After returning from injury, he only had 10, 5, 7, 8 and 9 touches in those first five games. So what have we been saying? consistently on the podcast we need confirmation that swift is looking at just again a floor of double digit touches more like 15 would be fantastic and i think we had that last week after tying his season high with 18 combined carries and receptions so yeah there's still a little bit of justin jackson there and that's the only thing stopping swift from honestly looking like a potential top eight running back here down the stretch we know jamal williams is going to be out there Stealing some fancy friendly goal line opportunities. It's when we also add in Justin Jackson, who had five or six targets last week. I mean, that's no joke to be taken away from Swift when you have these again, brutal goal line and targets being taken away from our lead back. It's just going to be tough to squeeze him too high up the ranks, but still on a week with six teams on bye, DeAndre Swift is my RB 13. And for the first time in a good six weeks, I will be answering the majority of close start sit questions with the lead back for one of the leagues. Again, top scoring offenses when everyone is healthy. AFC North Showdown between the Browns and the Bengals since he's sitting at six point favorites game total at 47. I mentioned before about Nick Chubb, uh, you know, talking about running backs who just need to perform so much better than what their workload is in order to meet those sky high expectations that they earn from being so freaking good at football in the first place. And Nick Chubb just keeps on doing exactly that. In 2020, he was the RB 28 in expected PPR points per game, RB 9 in real PPR points per game. 2021, he was 20. 20th and expected, 12th and real in this season, 16th and expected, 7th and real. So, yeah, Kings State Kings, Nick Chubb, absolutely one of those. And don't be surprised if we see another boom against his Bengals defense. Last three full games against the Bengals, one of those was like a week 18 game. I think it was last year, actually, where he played, but hardly at all. Dearness Johnson took the lion's share of the reps. Last three games against the Bengals, 101 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 137 rushing yards and two touchdowns. And most recently, 124 yards and another two touchdown performance. So if Deshaun Watson is passing game, continue to struggle, I'm gonna Put my money down in fantasy lineups accordingly on them getting right sooner rather than later. But if not, should see more Chubb than ever and a potential shootout here with Joey Burrow and Deshaun Watson. On the other side of the ball, we'll continue to focus on the backfields a little bit because we already know how good Burrow, Boyd, Chase, Higgins are Notwithstanding that brutal 18-yard Shisha of the week drop from Boyd last week, but focusing on the ground game, surprising but true, Samaje Perine with 3 has more top 10 fantasy finishes this year than Joe Mixon with 2. So yes, Mixon has several RB 11 finishes. I could have easily picked top 12 and ruined this entire argument, but it's just a tip of the cap to Samaje Pirine for being able to go out there and look pretty damn good. I mean, I don't think anyone actually looked at Samaje Pirine as someone that was even close to a valuable competition to Joe Mixon, but you look at any rushing stat this year and perine has been better. PFF rushing grade hasn't beat. Yards per carry, 4.4 versus 3.8 in favor of Perine. He's picked up an extra .8 yards after contact per carry and even the missed tackles force per carry he's been superior so yes mixon better receiver in terms of pff receiving grade but p Ryan, far superior pass blocking grade so it's one of those things where i think we all owe Samaje p Ryan a little bit of an apology for freaking out as much as we did in the super bowl when he was on the field instead of joe mixon who would i want as my starting running back on an nfl team even a fancy team if we could just have the same amount of touches joe mixon I'm not saying that, but Samaj Piran, certainly higher than we thought he was in terms of the running back ranks. We've seen that. So even with Mixon practicing in full on Wednesday, fully expecting him to get his usual three down roll back. But Samaje Piran, be very careful about putting him back on the waiver wire if you can at all help it. Because as we've seen, literally one injury away from being a consistent top 10 fantasy back, wild time to be alive. We got the Texans at the Cowboys here. Cowboys are 16 and a half point favorites, game total of 45 and a half. So obviously with that huge spread, Damian Pierce is not someone who needs to be jammed in the starting lineups. Hey, I still think he'll get 15 plus touches. And when you start going down the ranks, when you have that sort of volume, it's hard to get too uptight about game script and matchups. But clearly, come on, it's the Texans, guys. We can't be overly thrilled about anybody coming out of this group. They are implied to score a week low, 14 points, explains that gaudy spread. But I will just point Point out, Nico Collins is starting to become a little something here. Over his last four games since returning from injury, he's had 10, 7, 9, and 10 targets. And last week, week high 187 unrealized air yards now a lot of those are of the prayer yard variety that's a portion and just an aspect of the kyle allen experience luckily though we could maybe go from atrocious to like just bad under center going from kyle allen back to davis mills you know big leap of faith there so hey brandon cooks is dealing with his calf injury phantom or real if we are going to see nico continue to be the number one in houston I think we can get a wide receiver three down the stretch. I mean, over those past four games, he's been the PPR wide receiver 20, 41, 43, and 30. So this week I do trust Nico a little more than clear-cut complimentary options like Michael Gallup, like Tyler Boyd, and like Mac Hollins. So I know not the biggest, uh, you know, uh, not the biggest congrats or best thing to say about Nico, but yeah, solid wide receiver three in Houston. We can do a lot worse than that. On the other side of the ball, we've now gotten three games of this backfield since Zeke has returned from injury. In terms of snaps, Pollard has led the way 104 to 92. But Zeke has three more carries, 48 to 45. Pollard has six more targets, 11 to 5. So we did see Zeke out snap and out touch Pollard in week 13 after not doing so in weeks 11 and 12. But a little bit funky how they did that. I mean, they basically reserved the last drive with the starting offense out there for Zeke. If you take that away, once again, it's again, I'm. Zeke's obviously staying super involved, but I think it's more a 50-50 split as opposed to like, oh, look at last week. Clearly, this is trending in Zeke's direction. And guess what, guys? Remember what we opened with? The Cowboys are favored by 16 and a half against the freaking Texans. 31st in PPR points per game allowed to opposing running backs. Both Pollard and Zeke should be in starting fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes. AFC West showdown here that looked a lot more interesting on paper a couple months ago than it does now. Chiefs at the Broncos, Kansas City, nine and a half point favorites game total of 43 and a half. So we are tentatively trusting Juju still after last week's down performance because his routes got back up to 81% after that disappointing week 12 where he was seemingly eased back into action coming off the concussion injury. So more so the bad performance again, it wasn't based on the underlying usage. It was based on Patrick Mahomes having a season low 27 pass attempts and just 233 passing yards. So before Juju got hurt guys, he was the PPR wide receiver seven wide receiver four and wide receiver eight out there. So truly we were starting to see Juju start to become this year's Cooper Cup. That phrase that pissed me off all offseason, but let's face it. It was looking pretty good for him before getting hurt. I don't think he's going to have enough time to necessarily put together this super great season long total, but I wouldn't be shocked if we start getting something close to that upside wide receiver to goodness that we were starting to see consistently pre concussion. I'm not terrified of this matchup this week. Patrick Sertan the second not expecting him to be following Juju and with Juju spending 43% of his snaps in the slot this year. That has been where the Broncos are weakest again specifically wide receivers aligned in the slot this defense is 23rd in epa allowed per pass play and 26th in both yards per attempt and explosive pass play rate so travis kelsey Juju smith schuster kind of isaiah pacheco hey we're starting to get some consistent fancy guys in kansas city guys great day to be great about damn time coming from the number one scoring offense On the other side of things, yeah, in Denver, it's just Russ versus the bathrooms. That's the only thing I care about really at this point. Applied to score just 17 points, 32nd in points per game. Greg Dolchich is like the one guy we can kind of get behind. Judy's like an okay enough wide receiver three if Cortland Sutton is going to miss time with the hamstring injury. But I would just say with Dolchich, I mean, he still has five or fewer targets in all but two games this season. So similar to what we were saying with Baltimore, the Steelers, the Texans, unfortunately, guys, the Broncos are right there where close start sick questions take the guy not involved in one of the league's single worst scoring offenses buccaneers taking on the 49ers brock freaking purdy is sitting as a three and a half point favorite against tom brady what a time to be alive this one is tied with the steelers and the ravens for the lowest game total of the week at 37 so interesting backfield usage on was it monday night that crazy brady comeback believe it was Monday night. So we had Leonard Fournette come back into action, him and Rashad White. Now, it was one of those things where we got a pregame report saying Fournette could be limited out there, or just not working at exactly 100%. Didn't seem that way when the lights came on. So at the end of the day, it was Fournette 60 to 40 in terms of snaps, 10 carries and six targets compared to nine and seven for Rashad White. So guess what? Six targets, seven targets for these guys coming from Tom Brady. That's going to be more than enough, more weeks than not. And that was the case on Monday night. Fournette finished as the PPR RB16 on the week. And White was even the RB9, thanks again that last second touchdown. So we need those because the run game guys held to under 100 yards in all but two games a season. And the 49ers collectively have allowed 100 fewer rushing yards than any other NFL defense through 13 weeks. So it's one of those things where we need the targets. And luckily, they are there. For the running backs, Buccaneers running backs collectively ranked third in targets this year. It'd just be a lot cooler if we had like any scoring upside in this offense. We have Fournette, we have Rashad White, they're low end RB2s. Chris Goblin, six plus catches in every single game since returning from injury in week four. We're loving him, he's a borderline wide receiver. One Evans. Still barely cracking the top 24 this week because there's six teams on by. But, guys, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week five, if I'm not mistaken. Hasn't even cleared 60 receiving yards for over a month as well. So could he get back on track? Yeah, sure, it's Mike Evans. But how many straight weeks can we say this about Evans, about Brady, about the Buccaneers in general, before just accepting that they're not a very good offense? I have reached that point, unfortunately. Because, guys, the Buccaneers this year have scored more than 22 points one time all season this year they have 10 games with 21 or fewer points in 2020 and 2021 combined including the playoffs they only had five such games these are not your granddad's Tampa bay buccaneers it's very bad out there fournette rashad white solid starts in full ppr but sadly chris goblin is the only buccaneer player you need to start ahead of this tough matchup against nick bosa and company On the 49ers, with Brock Purdy under center, here were his targets after replacing Jimmy G last week. Debo Samuel at 10, Christian McCaffrey with 9, Brandon Ayuk with 7, Juwan Jennings 4, Juice Check 3, Kittle 2, and Tyler Croft 1. So, small sample. I will say Christian McCaffrey having the over 80% snap rate without Elijah Mitchell, really not changing his projection much, much at all. Top 5 running back before the Jimmy G injury. He's... Come on, do we need to go through all the quarterbacks that he still made it work with in Carolina? I'm not worried about the Brock Purdy experience, especially given we did see Purdy have an even lower average target depth than Jimmy G, who's usually at the bottom of the league in that metric as well. So, with Purdy checking it down more often, it's really good for CMC and to a lesser extent, Debo. I just wish the dude was healthier. I mean, if you look at Debo this year, he's only averaging, last time I checked, it was like one less expected PPR point per game from last season, but he's just scoring as much as we would expect him to score and he's not being the most efficient receiver in the entire nfl and the best rusher in the nfl like he was last season so again the quad the hamstring injury i think that can explain it maybe just not having you know a career year every year is another sentiment but debo samuel low-end wide receiver two brandon iok boomer bus wide receiver three george kittle like come on we, we all see the tight end landscape we can't move the dude that far down but not exactly feeling better about a boom coming either three more everyone appreciate you guys sticking with me on the pff fantasy football podcast panthers at the seahawks just just a great one here i mean we'll get some love to gino in a second but seahawks favored by four points game total at 44 so on the panther side of the thing on the panther side of things dj moore kind of back all right that was nice four catches 103 yards and a touchdown against the broncos before the bye with a lot of that coming in patrick Sertan's coverage so it was one of those things where Devonte adams rose patrick Sertan the week before and we're all you know just giving Devontae a ton of praise as he deserves it. DJ Moore does it. And the conversation was more so like eh, Patrick Sertan's a bit overrated and we'll save that conversation for another day. But guys wasn't exactly new to see Moore pick up his game with Sam Donald under center. It's so sad. It is so freaking sad that we have to actually say that Sam Donald is relatively a quarterback upgrade for DJ Moore compared to what he's seen over the past couple years. But, That's really been the case. I mean, last year in 12 games with Sam Darnold, 5.7 5.7 catches for 70.7 receiving yards and 0.25 touchdowns per game, 9.8 targets per game this year. Before getting Darnold back, I mean only 46 receiving yards and seven and a half targets per game. So one of those things where in past years like DJ Moore was a wide receiver three that we were like, man, he's a good quarterback away from being a wide receiver one. This year we couldn't even get the wide receiver three goodness out of minimum. I think Darnold can bring that out a little more consistently. So Seahawks 23rd and PFF team coverage grade. I'm going back. The well with DJ Moore as a top twenty-four wide receiver. On the other side of things, Geno Smith, man, seventh among thirty-eight quarterbacks in PFF passing grades, second in passer rating, fourth in yards per attempt, third in adjusted completion rate, fourth in big-time throw rate. The only major statistic that he's been a little bit rough in is turnover-worthy play rate. But even then, he's twenty-fifth among thirty-eight quarterbacks, and at least you see again fourth in big-time throw rate, 25th in turnover-worthy play rate. He's taking a lot of chances. He's hitting a lot of them, and he's missing some as well. So dropped interceptions, things like that, have factored more into a turnover-worthy play rate. But again, it's just been incredible. And yeah, he's dropped off in the first you know, eight weeks of the year, legit top five in pretty much everything. If you compare that to the second half of the year, he's been a bit more of an average quarterback. But just the fact that Geno Smith has been at worst, for an extended stretch of this year. An average NFO quarterback. Just great stuff from, again, a journeyman veteran who a lot of people never expected to necessarily get this opportunity again, so... 10 games multiple passing touchdowns. Russell Wilson has one. And all of us, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, fantasy managers, thank you for that. So Metcalf, wide receiver 17 in PPR points for game. Lockett is a wide receiver 13. Continue to fire them up with all kinds of confidence. Stay tuned on this backfield. It sounds like Travis Homer might be the healthiest one out there, but him, DJ Dallas, Kenneth Walker all injured. They also got Tony Jones and they added Wayne Gallman. So if Kenneth Walker is out of the picture, I think the answer to the backfield is pretty much just no. I'm expecting a three plus back committee, potentially not expecting anyone to really take over in the same manner as Walker or Rashad Penny before him on Sunday night football. We got the dolphins at the chargers. Miami sitting as three point favorites game total tied for the highest of the week with the lions Vikings at 52 and a half. So with the dolphins, can't trust these running backs after just that hellacious usage last week, which really sucks because we're facing a Chargers team that has not been able to stop the run at all since losing Joey Bosa back in Week 2. So, really, the certainties in this offense, it's Tua, it's Tyreek, and it's Jalen Waddle. And I wanted to figure out for the Eagles, actually, where A.J. Brown Devonte Devontae Smith stood in terms of combined yards per route run. Just, you know, get an idea who are the best one-two punches at wide receiver. And they ranked second at 4.25. Guys, in first place, though, Tyreek and Waddle at 6.12. Just so far and away, the top two wide receivers uh, in the entire league uh, on the same team. Slightly butchered that. You guys know what I'm trying to say, though. Tyreek is first in receiving yards. Waddle is fifth. Just an incredible offensive performance from this passing game. And even after last week, Tua still first in yards per attempt, still first in PFF passing grade, expecting more of the same for the week's second highest implied offense. With the Chargers, Austin Eckler, your PPR RB 15, if you don't have a single rush attempt this season. And again, similar, the opposite sentiment, I should say, to some of these you know, takeaways we've had with the Texans, with the Steelers, with the Ravens, where it's like, hey, close start, sit question. Go ahead and take the guy not playing on this terrible offense with the Chargers and all these guys getting healthier. I know Justin Herbert, did, you know, is not offense best game of the year, but we are going to be trusting these Chargers in more start, sit questions than not. So that goes for Keenan Allen. Obviously, Mike Williams, two guys that are going to continue to be top 24 wide receivers each and every week. And again, if you're benching them, you better have a damn good reason for doing so. The only real problem here would be if Mike Williams comes back, I wouldn't necessarily expect Josh Palmer to be able to keep on keeping on the same way. So should still be in three wide receiver sets. But DeAndre Carter has played well enough and just having healthy guys all the way around. Palmer could still be a full time player, but be the number four pass game option. So Keenan, Mike Williams, Eckler, Gerald Everett, Justin Herbert. That's five fantasy guys from one offense that we're largely loving. Great day to be great in Los Angeles. And finally, guys, Monday Night Football, we got the Patriots at the Cardinals. New England, two-point road favorites. That's pretty surprising to me. Game total of 44 and a half might just be Hunter Henry week. So last Thursday night, we had that terrible hit on Jacoby Myers that was immediately led to an ejection. He is concussed. So would think he's not going to be able to play. Usually do see guys miss at least one game coming off the concussion. Maybe not because he had that long week, but either way, guys, Hunter Henry really positioned well, and I have him ranked as a top 10 tight end this week. Cardinals are dead last in PPR points per game, allowed the tight ends. And it's not just that situation where we just seen them get beat by a drum, you know, by Kelsey, and Andrews and been pretty good against everyone else. Yes, Kelsey did go for 121 yards and a touchdown when he faced the Cardinals, but Noah Fant had a 96-yard game, also had a 6-catch, 45-yard game. Dallas Goddard went for 8 catches and 95 yards. George Kittle had two touchdowns against these guys. Tyler Hickby, 73 yards and 61 yards. Hell, Juwan Johnson, the man, had two touchdowns against his defense not too long ago. So Hunter Henry, loving it in New England. Great matchup and could feasibly see more targets without a healthy Jacoby Myers in the lineup. And finally, guys, with the Cardinals, fully healthy passing game, potentially the first time all year if Rondale Moore can get back from that groin injury. Fingers crossed as someone that drafted way too much Kyler Murray over the offseason that this finally leads to some Kyler boom. So ultimately, we are still trusting DeAndre Hopkins as an auto start wide receiver down the stretch. I agree with the sentiment that having a healthy Hollywood, bringing back Rondale and not having the easiest schedule, at least until they play the Falcons in week 17, it could make Hopkins, you know, more of an upside wide receiver too, as opposed to this locked in, you know, matchup proof wide receiver one, but that's fine. We'll take a top 15 wide receiver and that's all he's been this year. In six games, he's been the PPR wide receiver eight, two, 21, 12, 12, and most recently 15. So the part that gives me hope for Hopkins is he's been really good with his targets and just on a per route basis regardless of all the volume he's gotten so just a yards per route run leaderboard on the season guys with a minimum of 25 targets in first place we have Tyreek Hill followed by Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Amon St. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle, CeeDee Lamb and DeAndre Hopkins so any of those guys ahead of him, would you consider benching if he added a good wide receiver to the offense? No, so we're not going to do it with DeAndre Hopkins. So, again, very fair to adjust expectations, but Nuke continue to go back the well here, even against the Patriots defense that, oh, man, they always take away your number one option, unless it's uh, Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson over the literally past uh, two weeks. So I kid. I kid. Uh, but yeah, start freaking DeAndre Hopkins, start James Conner because he has an every down roll and Hollywood Brown were feeling good, albeit not amazing about last week. I'm sorry, two weeks ago before their bye, we did see Marquis seemingly having a little bit more of that low A Quick, get the ball out of your hands. Rondeo Moore roll. I tend to think that Rondale will be the odd man out in terms of just getting a bunch of targets, more weeks and not moving forward. But again, most confident Hopkins leading this passing game. It makes sense. You know, my Bill Belichick slander aside, if they do slow down, Kyler Murray make things difficult. So for this week, Connor, Kyler Hopkins, those are my only must starts. Marquise Brown, though, still a top 24 player, should be in more lineups than not. Trey McBride to a lesser extent as a tight end, too. that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, you know, I try to avoid the uh, solo pods when um, we can because I I do think it's better to have a co-host on here. I go back and forth and, you know, talking 40 minutes straight, not the easiest. I've heard uh, more than a few uh, reviews from you all over the years about, you know, swallowing and this and that. So I do apologize and we are always striving to get better at that. But I maintain That when you listen to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, you're going to leave a smarter football fan. You're going to get some great information. And I swear to you all, I will keep that keeping on as long as I am blessed enough to be the host of this wonderful podcast. That's quite the pipeline over the years. So, appreciate you guys sticking with us. Happy Week 14. Let's go clinch some freaking fantasy football playoff birds if we haven't already. So playoffs right around the corner. I can't wait. It's December. Still freaking football's in the air. Don't get to say that for too many more weeks, not to be a Debbie Downer. So let's just enjoy the last, you know, four, five full-on Sundays of football. Getting the playoffs. Always a great day to be great. So thanks again for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Ian Hurts. Until next time, take care, everybody.